TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to Touch Em All Podcast. This is Derek Wetmore. Uh, no Phil Mackey today, but I brought in a special guest. Jake DePew covers the minor leagues and the Minnesota Twins for 1500ESPN.com. Jake, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you, Derek? Good. And uh, Jake is in Boston right now. Is that right? That is correct. Good. So we're testing out the new studio. And uh, listeners, if you have any problems with the sound, and I don't mean the sound of our respective voices, just the sound of the microphones, let us know. If you have a sound problem with our voices, you're going to have to get over that because that's going to be here the whole episode. Yep, that's not changing. <laughs> that's not uh, not a lot we can do about that, unfortunately. No. Uh, Jake, uh, this is an interesting time for the Twins. I've said on multiple podcasts and videos this winter is going to be the biggest or the Twins, in the time that I've covered the team. It's a short time, but let's even stretch that back to the start of Target Field. This is the most important offseason for the Twins since the start of Target Field, and on top of that, they're looking for a new manager. What do you what do you think about the direction, knowing that there were two years left on Paul Molitor's contract, and, and I know you've been over this, but to move on and then try to find some new candidate? What did you think about the decision, first of all, and then we'll get into some of the candidates? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm conflicted on the decision because I I guess the way I view this is based on my relatively small sample size of interacting with Molitor, but you know, 20, 25 games, including spring training and stuff. I I feel like I have a decent uh, perspective, just in terms of uh, immediate perspective, obviously. Uh, but I I really like Molitor um, as a guy, which I know is a very Minnesotan thing to say. <laughs> yes, um, you've perfected and, that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he definitely has his weak points. I thought overall he, he did a good job. But I try to look at this from a player perspective, and, a, and in particular a young player perspective, because Falvey and Levine sort of hinted at that, if you kind of listen between the lines, so to speak, at their press conference. Yeah. They basically hinted at the fact that he wasn't connecting with young players. And, and when I look at Molitor, I see a guy who's incredibly even-keeled, um, maybe to a fault. So I, I personally would love if in some extremely alternate reality I was a good enough baseball player to, to be a big leaguer. I would love to play for a guy like Molitor who's very even-keeled and laid back and, and doesn't give rah-rah speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure that's the case for a 23- or 24-year-old player. Sure. You know? So I look, at, I look at somebody like P.J. Fleck who I, I would rather... I'm going to put this delicately. I would not like to play for a guy like that. I'll just leave. Yeah, I'd transfer. I mean, but I don't know if my 18-year-old self would transfer. But luckily for me, Jake, and for you, actually, neither one of us was able to play Major League Baseball or Division I college football, as it turned out. That is, that is correct. So. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that you were about as far away from those two things. Uh, yeah, possible. speak for yourself. But. Speak for yourself, my friend. <laughs> yeah. But but I but I recognize even though I totally dislike that style of of coaching the flex style and think it's a, a little bit 
absurd and, and certainly way over the top. And But I recognize that 18 and 19-year-olds respond to that, sure. for better or worse. Yeah, well, and, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. So I recognize that that's the case, and and so I have to look at it from that perspective because guys like Sano and Buxton aren't that much older than – you know, the, the players playing at the U. And That's if right. those guys respond to that style, then maybe the Twins need somebody who's not at a Fleckian level, yeah. for sure, but but somebody who's maybe approaching that a little bit more than Molitor, who I feel like is on the exact opposite end of that. Yeah, and, that's right. I Look, I think we're beating around the bush a little bit. They basically said in the press conference that Paul Molitor can't connect with millennials. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. they they it's weird because then they turned around and in the same breath, apparently they're perfecting the Minnesota passive aggressive compliment insult too, because they said it's not that Paul couldn't. In fact, he was exceptional at connecting with young players. We're just looking for somebody uh, different at connecting with young players. It's like, come on, just say it. It's fine. I think there's this element of Molitor's dismissal that is being buried in in mystery. And honestly, Jake. Maybe that's only 10% of it. Maybe the other 90% is stuff we'll never know. Or maybe 10% is bad bullpen management. 10% is uh, if you get in little disagreements over the roster or anything like that. My sense, though, is that those guys are comfortable with disagreement and that you want somebody to push back. Smart people in a room reaching a consensus is going to be the best decision. So who knows what percentage, all that kind of stuff. We'd just be guessing, but... There was definitely an element to the press conference of providing resources for young players to thrive in building relationships and motivation. And that, to me, sounds like these millennials just want to play Fortnite and can't bring their own energy to the park. And the one thing that I do know about Molitor is he's a very bring-your-own-energy-to-the-park kind of guy. He was not the Fleckian leader, as you termed it, so... I'm kind of curious to know as you read through some of the reported candidates, Jake, like some of the people who are interviewing or some of the people that maybe have not been reported yet, but you think the twins should go after um, if your if your Rolodex really runs deep. My my curiosity is, do you think they need to find somebody that's like that? That's almost PJ Fleck does not exist in baseball. He, He would be weeded out through the system, but there are guys. I mean, AJ Hinch is a little more rah rah. I, I'm just thinking about recent managers who were hired, and they're just about all more rah rah than Paul Molitor, um, yeah. without knowing them on a personal level. I mean, you look Alex Cora, um, Boone in New York, Hinch, Lavello. These type of managers, I, and I say type, I just mean guys that didn't necessarily have any managing experience and are just like that figurehead. For the field staff, I don't know. This is a rambling question, but do you think they need to seek that out as they find as as they go through their search for a new manager? Yeah, I do. I think they need to find someone younger. And and so here here was my one of my issues with Molitor that he was so laid back that I felt like at times he wouldn't defend his players during games when they got in disagreements, and that would bother me even as an older millennial, right? So like you saw Alex Cora in game one of the right. ALCS, get thrown out, yep. uh, essentially defending his player. You know, if your catcher gets in a disagreement with an umpire or, or your hitter is mad at the umpire justifiably or not, go out there and 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 defend them and get tossed. I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying you have to be guardy, but get tossed out of a game every yeah. once in a while just to show your guys 
that you're with them. It's right? funny and, how much I've come around on that. If, if you would have told me three years ago that you didn't like Molitor because, God, just get tossed, I'd be like, okay, yeah. guy. But now I'm right there with you. I'm 100% on board with that. I think there is something to that. I, I agree, and I think I, I would I would respect that and appreciate that as a player. And, and there were a lot of times during Twins games the last couple of years where somebody would be really irate and the camera would pan to Molitor, and he'd just be you know, kind of standing at the top step of the dugout with a blank look on his face. Yeah. And that, and, and that would bother me a little bit. So, well, so I get that. So, so yeah. So to answer your question, I think they need somebody younger and, and a little bit more fiery. Again, nowhere near Fleck levels. And, and I'm imagining PJ Fleck as a, as a baseball manager and it's hilarious <laughs> yeah. in my head. But, well, uh, he does say failure is growth and there's a lot of failure in baseball. So that might work well, out pretty well, actually. That is true. That is true. But I don't know about all the sprinting around. Sure. And yeah. But, uh, but but I think also somebody who isn't just willing to embrace analytics to the you know isn't just willing to put on a shift or whatever, but is somebody who really truly understands it and and is fully on board. So I think Molitor was very open minded in terms of implementing what they wanted to do in terms of analytics. Sure. But I don't know that he was an analytics first manager the way. No. Cora and Hinch and those guys seem to be. That's accurate. So, uh, I, I, yeah. Not to cut you off, I'll let you finish your point in a second, but he is an analytics acceptor, not an analytics right. driver, and I'm not right. saying that's for better or for worse, but you do look at the Twins and say they were a pretty shifty team. They understood the value of defense, obviously. Jason Castro, Byron Buxton, those guys go down, you lose a lot. And they also use the opener a small handful of times. So th- it's not like they are allergic to analytics under Molitor. Um, but they, uh, there again, they were like, he was very open to analytics. We're just looking for somebody who's into analytics. It's like, okay, there's got to be something there. But uh, anyways, I cut you off. I'll let you finish your point. Well, first of all, let me say nice job on avoiding the Freudian slip by saying they were a very shifty Yes, team. yes. Um, In fact, but, they won uh, 78 games, so I don't know that the slip would have occurred. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I, I, my guess, and this is total speculation, is that Falvey and Levine felt like they had to do a lot of educating of Molitor. You know, here's why this makes sense. Here's why we use this particular metric. You know, and 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 basically saying, look, just implement this, even if you don't totally agree with it. And mm-hmm. and I get, I mean, those guys are so analytics oriented that they would want someone who they don't have to explain everything to that will just that is on board and gets it and is and and knows what they're doing and will just kind of do it on their own. Yeah, I don't know it. I guess I hope they're not looking for a pushover. Right. Well, yeah. And maybe they are, you know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. And, they didn't say that maybe. in the press conference. What's that? <laughs> they didn't say that in the press conference. Maybe it's one of those that just had to go unsaid because you can't say, I'm looking to hire a somebody that we can push around and manipulate like a puppet in this role. Right. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it'll be interesting. If, if I had to guess, it'll be somebody somebody much younger and, and somebody sure. uh, who, obviously who's who's analytically inclined. But I still, my money's on Derek Shelton. I, I said that okay. as soon as soon as Molitor got fired, I uh, I tweeted out that I thought it would be Derek Shelton. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is that I covered that Boston series when all that stuff went down and all the trades went down and then Molitor left on that Saturday to go to Cooperstown for Jack Morris's um speech, right? Induction speech. And so Derek Shelton managed the last two games of that series. And he was much higher energy for, 
you know, again, for better or worse, he was much higher energy, I, I felt, than, than Molitor. And he, he was a Rays guy and an Indians guy who Falvey and Levine hired, right? So obviously Molitor wasn't their hire. Shelton was. And, and he was hired as kind of a quality control guy um, who has a background in analytics, who has a background in, in some of these really progressive organizations. Mm. And he just, he really stood out to me. I was impressed with him uh, during his, his media scrums. Yeah. Um, just a little bit more high energy uh, than, than Molitor and, and incorporated more analytics into just his sort of everyday speak. So it, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if that's the direction they go. Sure. I like Shelton enough. Um, I wasn't at that Boston series. I did read David Lorela's piece um, on Fangraphs about Shelton and his ideas about managing. Now, it wasn't written at the time saying, hey, if you're the next manager of the Twins, how are you going to do it? He was just like, what are your philosophies of educating players and, um, you know, people talk about analytics and it's like, you can't just say analytics and the problem is solved. It's how do you communicate this with an Eddie Rosario and get him to refine his strike zone? Um, which for three months they were great at. And then for three months he apparently forgot that education. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe that's an unfair shot at Rosario. My point is just that like, how can you take Kyle Gibson and say, Hey, that fastball at the top of the zone, that four seamer upstairs that actually has a little run to it. You can use that to set up your curveball. And if Kyle Gibson says that's great in theory, but I'm trying to get ground balls and outs, then that's, that's an impasse. But if you can get Kyle Gibson to buy into that, now you have a 2018 Kyle Gibson, which looks a lot better than first half 2017 Gibson. So anyways, if, Listeners are curious. They can check out that Laurel piece um, on Fangraphs about Derek Shelton. And I'll probably write about that this week because it's really interesting. Like his job interview is out there on the Internet. We can read it right yep. now. Yeah, that yes, exactly. And, and David's a good writer, and, and absolutely people should check that out. One, one thing that I thought was interesting from that series is somebody asked Molitor, a reporter asked Molitor uh, the day before he left, because we were talking about Shelton, how he's going to take over. Um, a reporter asked him, do you think that Shelton has aspirations to be a manager? And he said, no, he didn't think he did. Hmm. And then that same reporter asked Shelton the very next day. And Shelton said, yes, I would absolutely like to manage in the big leagues. Interesting. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we can read into that other than that's obviously not something that they talked about for, right. for whatever reason, because Molitor had a very different opinion. Yeah. So. I'd say that's a fair thing to read into that. Um, yeah. I just quickly, do you have a favorite candidate or um, if, if they go outside the organization, if it's not Shelton, has any name come across a report or something or somebody who hasn't come across a report and you think like, how is this guy not getting big league manager steam? I mean, aside from Phil, Phil Mackey. Right. That's, right. That's right. He asked me on the day Molitor was fired, they, not him, but his show cohorts asked me to put in a good word with the brain trust with the twins while I was over there. I didn't somehow didn't feel right about that. I, I think Phil would be fully on board though. I think he would leave his new duties at 1500. Well, uh, if it's if Phil, you know, he would say that he is all in. He's not, yes. he's either 100% all in or like eh, 50% all in. Yes. Yes. He would be all in. No he's names jump out to you. Not Phil Mackey or Derek Shelton. Well, uh, no. So, yeah, to answer your question seriously, I guess Sandy Alomar Jr. is one. Okay. Uh, because I think there's a lot of value in having a Spanish-speaking manager. Sure. You know? I oh, mean, true. I think there are so many, God, how many, how many guys in the twin starting lineup are 
you know, well, have Spanish as their first language. Yeah, how know? many guys are in the twin starting lineup written in pen? That's a fair question, but but yeah, I mean, I I think Alex Cora probably. Um, I think that's probably a big factor in in him. I mean, he's a he's a very good manager, but I think that was probably uh, something that was really in his favor. So I don't know. Somebody like Sandy Alomar Jr. sticks out to me as a possibility. Uh, Brad Mills, just because of his. Cleveland connections with sure. Alvi is one, although I don't know enough about him to really speak with any sort of expertise. Sure, um, same. So yeah, I, I guess I guess those two. But okay. I don't, Rocco Baldelli is an interesting one. Yeah, um, he, he's a really intelligent ex-player who's who's again in a very progressive organization with the Rays. All right. Well, I guess I'll circle up with you once they have a manager and Manny Machado and Clayton Kershaw and Andrew Miller in their stead. And then if they trade for JT Realmuto, I think we'd all feel a little bit better about their odds for 2019. That's going to be a heck of a podcast. I can't wait. <laughs> thanks for your time, Jake. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Derek.